0: Greetings and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Calcutera. The music that opened the show is from the new Psychedelic Furs album, Made of Rain. The song is Come All Ye Faithful, and it's just such a cool track. I mean, the whole album is just sonically, it's, it's ear candy. Ear candy, a lot of great songs, uh, a journey for sure. I know in this day and age, there's... Uh, your singles are the thing you know a lot of uh, I guess a younger generation they're listening to singles uh, we don't listen to music as we once did I've always been a fan of just really escaping and uh, experiencing an album and I love this one because it's just it's an album with a lot of flavor there's a lot of different sounds it's just it's its an amazing album and, and I never I didn't grow up being a fan of the of the psychedelic furs had heard the name, but this is one of the bands that I, I never gravitated towards, but uh I'm really enjoying hearing uh hearing this now and exploring a lot of their back catalog. Now um this album you know what drew me to it, it's it's produced by Richard Fortas of uh Guns N' Roses fame. Uh he's been in many bands including uh, including a band with richard harris the uh the leader of, of the furs and uh, at some point they talked about um creating an album together uh my my guest today jason mcintyre he has some great stories as um a lot of the rhythm tracks were recorded in his studio sawhorse studios i've known jason for many years We share many great friends, and uh, just over the years, you know, I've enjoyed enjoyed a lot of the music that um, he has taken apart in in helping to create. And I just love how humble Jason is, and uh, he talks about, you know, being a member of a team and uses the word producer uh, rather lightly. So he had the uh, fortunate opportunity to host The Furs and, and Richard Fortis in his studio, Sawhorse, and at one point had the opportunity to um, to become the engineer on the project, and it, it just, it's just it's amazing. So I, um, I implore you to check it out. Uh, you can find it, um, you can download it. My, my friend Jim Oosley had bought the uh, the vinyl, and it just, it looks amazing. So uh, Jim is a, a frequent guest on the show, has been on a few episodes, and uh, is just an extraordinary fan of, of rock and roll music, and, and just a lot of music in general it was it was a great time catching up with jason hearing a, a lot of stories from him about his experiences in the music industry um you know had a great time catching up with jason have always enjoyed his space it ha- it has such a great vibe over at sawhorse hadn't talked to him in a while you know with facebook these days you kind of know what's going on with everybody so i think phone calls don't happen as much but um he's been he's been someone on my list for quite a while to talk to and i'm i'm glad we finally had the opportunity to sit down and and chat and especially in that space i've been fortunate over the years to have captured a bunch of video in his space and he's always been a hospitable guy and uh, you'll hear about that in the conversation want to thank my sponsors dr mark holland Has various locations in the St. Louis area. Is opening a a few more offices. Great uh, network of doctors. Um, If you're in need of chiropractic care, I urge you to take a look and um, reach out to Dr. Holland and see how they may help you. Thanks to my friend Mo Kadada at American Falafel. Uh, Just talking about it, my mouth is watering. And I think uh, after I finish this podcast, uh, finish putting it all together, I'm going to go over for a visit have some food and uh, satisfy my needs for just uh, clean you know family recipe um, mediterranean food american falafel is located in the university city loop and uh, mo is looking at other locations too to uh, satisfy the needs of uh, those who are looking for clean healthy mediterranean fare in the st louis area thank you mo for all you do and sponsoring the show also want to thank my buddy, Corey Stolz. He has um, the book Union of the State, and uh, we're still dealing with COVID. People are still at home. So uh, if you get a chance and you love sketch comedy, check out the tome he's written about the uh, comedic troupe The State. It's a, it's a wonderful read. Corey was a, a prior guest on the show, and uh, really enjoyed that conversation. As always, you can find me at kencalcaterra.com. You can find me on various social media, Twitter, Instagram. Ken Calcaterra is my handle there. I've been fortunate to uh, just get my name with no numbers after it. So uh, check it out. Would love to hear your comments on the podcast. Getting a lot of listens. Every, um, every week I see you know the numbers rising, and I'm just really happy to um, make the connections with, uh, with people I've enjoyed talking to over the years and sharing that connection with all of you. So here he is, um, music producer, engineer, studio owner, sometimes janitor, calls himself a, a jack of all trades. Um, and listening to the music that he has collaborated in and helped create over the years, um, you know, I'd say there's a lot of mastery in there. He's an extraordinary talent, and I'm honored to bring you the conversation with, uh, with my old friend, Jason McIntyre. <laughs> So, man, I just uh, I love this space. It has such a great vibe. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Don't
1: look too close because uh, you'll you'll find all the flaws. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's been cool. I mean, you've always been. You know, I have to thank you for your hospitality. I've shot a few videos here in the past and recorded some bands as they were recording to yeah. so capture some video. And you've always been great to work with. And oh, uh, I appreciate it. Over the years, yeah, it's great to have developed that friendship, and uh, and here we are now. Yeah,
1: it, we go back away. Um, yeah, it's
0: been what, uh, it's been close to 20 years. We're probably. Dating, dating ourselves. Well,
1: a uh, recent video popped up on my feed uh, that you had participated in. And I was reminded it was like two thousand and four or something like what that. You was Javier that? Mendoza. Oh yeah, yeah, that was one. I think PH1 that was two
0: thousand one. Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. So, so there was a show space called Space Odyssey. Yeah, bands on the run. <laughs> and so I would, uh, I was hanging out with the Somnia guys at that at that sure. point. And so we were watching that show, and of course everybody's like, "Ah, we could do that." And then uh, at one point, Javier said he was going to put in a tape, and then we went to. He had some space downtown. And so we went down there. I borrowed some gear. I think that was pre. I worked at Bad Dog Pictures for a while, but mm-hmm. I think that was before that. And those guys were amazing. They lent me, you know, some camera and, and some lighting and whatnot. Yeah. And it turned out it was just a, you know, a really spontane, you know, spontaneous video. Yeah, yeah. And those guys are just so it's great. It's fun. On I camera. still, you
1: know, I still. I mean, Javi sang in my wedding just the year prior that in two thousand, and uh, Jim Peters, I still work with to this day uh Carnes is down in in Nashville yeah he's doing great S, all those guys yeah, yeah. they good 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 guys yeah so it was so fun. at least goes back 2001 I mean yeah yeah I probably think at least that a little bit after that because the first time it was at Blueberry Hill
0: I think it was the um uh, what was it it was I think maybe the beautiful cd release you were oh, mixing okay. sound mm-hmm um, this is when I first met you, and at one point I think I was like, "Hey, man, I, I need some white light," and you're just like, oh, "We don't have it." I'm like, "Oh, come on, what's up?"
1: You're, it, you, it was it, so. Vid- video is yeah. always the, the like yeah. the ass of of well, not the ass, but the yeah. the, the, the the bane of my existence. It's yeah. like all I care. Just like we were talking earlier today, you're yeah. like, "I've never really had to think about audio that much because I've always been a video cat." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Now now you're having to learn. And it's like anytime video comes in here they're like can we get more light in the studio i'm like no you're ruining yeah.
0: the vibe. yeah absolutely and it's figuring that out and granted when you just show up with the camera and you're looking at that yeah and, and, i know and so i get it now yeah. that i'm a little more experienced and i understand i'm like oh how much of a pain in the ass i probably was then and then i'm thinking like oh god how much of a pain in the ass jason is i need this right one. right you know it's just like it's one like of I'm those not,
1: deals. i'm a sound guy man i'm not yeah, the light you know, guy yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's just like one of those things you
0: as you figure it out throughout sure. the years and build that experience but the cool thing thing was i just made it black and white because the it's thing awesome. is awesome high contrast because red light just doesn't show good on video and even and Green even now, too. greens and yeah, yeah yeah so there's certain colors so so now even though cameras are a little better some of these leds that are purple and red they just it just doesn't read well yeah, and it's I just bet. really muddy there's no there's no detail and so it was just one of those deals, like, "Hey, I need some white light," and you're just like,
1: oh, like I, don't, "I don't know who the you lights know,
0: are." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you don't deal with that. So so yeah, so that was our first experience meeting. So glad I
1: got out of doing live sound.
0: Yeah, yeah. How much? How many years did you do that?
1: Uh, I mean, that was that was sort of a a, a means to to kind of make ends meet. Uh, yeah. When I didn't know enough to stay busy in the studio, so. I mean, I started doing that, like I went to school in, in, uh, 94 for audio and then immediately got out of that and thought I was going to be a studio rat, you know, uh-huh. for the longest time. And, uh, um, came back to St. Louis ultimately and around 94 and got a studio gig just as an assistant. And, uh, just to make ends meet, it was like working with uh, my former band Colony and a couple oh, you were in Colony. I was in Colony as a I, high schooler. I yeah, did yeah. not realize that's how, that's that. That's why I know Ted oh, so well. Yeah. God. Yeah. All those boys. Okay. Yeah, I was one of the keyboard, uh, the second keyboard player okay. in the iteration of it all. Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, Ted and I went to high school together. Ultimately, Matt Higginbotham was the drummer. And uh, um, I was happy to be in that band. That was a lot of fun. But ultimately, when um, uh, college time rolls around, I was not college material. <laughs> and I wanted to go into a more vocational school for audio. Uh, they moved up to Mizzou. And kept going there when ultimately we come full circle again. And uh, I was like, I'd be happy to do sound. That's something I was more, you know, interested in anyway Uh than playing keyboards. I didn't want to be on a stage and have people stare at me. Um, So I started doing that for them. And then um, uh, it became uh, radio iodine and and, uh, some monitors for maybe gravity kills here or there or stir. Uh, just wherever I could pick up a gig. Sure, I, I really yeah. enjoyed that time. And that was perfect for a, a, a young guy in his early 20s. That was the perfect gig, you know. Uh, and then ultimately uh, went on tour with um, with Radio Iodine. We're going down a long road now. But ultimately went on tour with Radio Iodine and, and hooked up with a band called My Life with a Thrill Kill Cult and bounced from Radio Iodine to Thrill Kill to do monitors for them and kind of help stage work for them and was with them for a couple of years and then i was just like you know i love the idea of the tour bus i will never go back to a van you know like it was in the late 90s mm-hmm. but uh, uh ultimately it was just like i'd rather just stay in the studio and, and be, be a studio rat however i can yeah yeah so yeah that that moved to that that realm yeah in high long school term.
0: yeah did you know phil nadeau
1: he went to school with uh,
0: Ted and you guys. So, Ted um, was a couple
1: of years older than me. Okay. I, was, I graduated in 92.
0: Okay, gotcha. I was 93. So, you were Where, in that what, same era. What's, what high school did you go uh, to? I was at uh, Hazelwood Central. Hazelwood so Central. I'm a North County guy. Gotcha. I right right on. Give the shout out to North. Yeah, County. yeah. No co. No co. Um but yeah, Phil was I think Ted's year and then Clark Woodman was another guy that I've worked with in the video industry know, commercials and whatnot. So he went to that school. Yeah, that as would well. have been
1: so Ted and my sister graduated together. Okay. Yeah. So um yeah, I mean I just came to know Ted through one of my uh piano instructors who was Ted's first keyboard player, Chris oh, right Chris on. Morris. Okay. And he was a very rock and roll guy, yeah. but he was classically trained and and I was in a garage band with Matt, a buddy of mine, and I was just like, "Would you teach me? Because this old lady that I got now is this no fun? I'd rather learn by ear and, yeah. and not by sight." And uh, he took me on; it was great. And then eventually he bounced, and so Ted, I, you know, we just sort of came together. It was fun, very cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm dabbling. I'm playing with it right now with musician, and then I've got this game called Rocksmith hmm. that I'm I'm learning bass. I mean, I don't expect to ever you know be any good, but it's. It's fun. I've enjoyed music. I mean, I've loved it. And just uh, after college, Mm -hmm. getting to know the people that I've met, working on music videos, creating that, it's just nice to have a better understanding of the mechanics. Um, You know, talking with you about sound, it's just cool. I I like to have that understanding of various aspects. Sure. It's really
1: cool. Yeah, I think um, you can get into the weeds a little bit with all of that, too. I mean, especially these days with all the videos that are out there and, and so many perhaps maybe unqualified people that have so many opinions about it that, you know, if you get enough uh, promotion, it, you look like a pro at it, you know, and so maybe you, you could be teaching the wrong thing. But I just encourage anyone, even my own children, is just just dork out and just pop on a, a record or a CD or a, you, iTunes or whatever it is yeah. you listen to uh, and, and just find a way to just play along. You know, mechanics are not, it doesn't really matter, you know, as long as you start just, Mucking around with it you know what's well,
0: good exercise of the brain absolutely you know, keep well that's you, what it's keep all you about. agile and, right you know and from a mental capacity yeah, so yeah that's cool
1: yeah yeah you're never going to get it perfect and and god forbid who wants a perfect performance mm-hmm. i mean that's not what i'm looking for necessarily gotcha if there's not a flaw yeah. somewhere in it yeah. it's not necessarily fun for the listener yeah yeah, to yeah. Listen it gives back it personality
0: through. it's you know well sure charisma uh,
1: you know i mean i think that's a little bit of the problem with some of our popular music these days is when you listen to it over and over and over again, by the time you get to the second chorus, it's, it's the same damn thing. It's like, literally it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. There's not a difference in the vocal performance sometimes, you know, or, or the music background. I mean, especially when it's just solo artists. So I, I really enjoyed listening to maybe stuff pre two thousands where it was really about a, a, a group of musicians and something was changing almost constantly. If not, perfect you know maybe trying to spot a flaw was another thing to Uh do you know
0: what's interesting and then the the stories you read about different recordings like i forget what album it was but zeppelin where they had uh bottom's drums in that stairwell Stairwell. and it was some castle so it's pretty cool to do different things or you hear about bands that was like all right we set the drums up in the bathroom because it had a different sound
1: yeah these days we would we would want to reference that or someone would want to reference that and they would chase that forever to try to find that perfect sound, you know, it was like, Oh, it's not, it's not the reverb's not right. I need a different plugin. Yeah. I need a different sound for that. It's like, you know what? they fucking just set up his <laughs> yeah. drum kits. They just <laughs> delivered them that day yeah. and set them up in that, in that hallway. Yeah. That's all it was. And he went out there and he started playing them and they were like, that's great. We should just bring the mics out here instead of bringing the drum kit in.
0: Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. You hear about, it. I mean, those stories where there's these different spaces yeah, and yeah. people are hearing things differently and they like, let throw it up in here. Well, that's the Let's do this. Let's... I think that's
1: why I get a lot of, um, small, uh, credit for just the quick takes. A lot of times they're like, wow, you're just, uh, uh, you're always recording, aren't you? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, even when I'm trying to get a sound on the mic, I just hit record. And I mean, I've gotten some amazing, hilarious outtakes from some of our friends. Uh, but also you just never know in that first pass, it's just sort of magic. And if, if, I know it's just sort of just set up and it's just out there and they wander to it. A lot of times it's, it's very disarming for them and they just don't feel like there's any pressure. And mm-hmm. so they knock it out. I feel like that's probably a similar thing for video or anything else. It's like if you can get a really, you know, just a, a just a moment in time then it just works i don't
0: know it's amazing some documentaries that i've been watching recently where you have that moment where it's before they actually give their answer or those before and after moments are really bring out a personality and bring out character yeah so it's cool so yeah, I, yeah. I dig that you're doing that and i guess in the past i was too much a perfectionist where i was just going for i guess that that meat on the bone and not really looking for those you know little side there
1: i think there's a, you know there's a time for it all yeah and then and and Equally, there's a reason to remember that there's just chance that can happen to yeah. And so you should be prepared for that as much as anything. Yeah. And, and then yeah. if you don't get it out of this chance that, you know, that you're just throwing some shit up, you know, and, uh-huh. and trying to capture something, then you start dialing in on something, you know. Yeah. On a performance or a piece that you want, you know. Uh, let me frame it better now. Mm-hmm. Let's try that again.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just small things.
0: And uh, so that's just a bit of your style or, you know, part of your process is just recording more often than not capturing those. Well, nowadays,
1: yeah, nowadays it's just super easy because there's just unlimited recording space, you know, back in when I started off, we were on tape Mm -hmm. based and it was, you you maybe talked more about it before you decided to lay it down. Gotcha. And and you tried to hone it quicker. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, you just can't hit record from the get-go and be like, oh, well, you know, we'll keep that and you know, yeah. we'll try it again. You can't, you couldn't really do that back in those days. Sure. Yeah. And with video, you know, with tape,
0: you had just a limited amount Insane, of time. Yeah. And how much tape. I remember early days I was filming something with Somnia. I'll give, you know, like I'd like this podcast to be warts and all, and I like to share my mistakes. And so we were at the Galaxy, and it was one of these deals. I didn't have a lot of money, but I, I pulled some cameras together, and I figured, hey, we're doing we're doing a live shoot, so I'm gonna get everything through this mixer, and uh, I'll have everything I need. Yeah, mistake. And then what what happened was it was one of these deals where we didn't have enough time to set up, and this, that, and the other. And you know, there's I want as much time as possible, of course. And you know, it didn't happen for various reasons. And uh, and then so I didn't. It was one of those things, just being cheap because I'm thinking like, okay, i i you know I have no money. I'm so paying off college. It's just yeah. starting out. And so i didn't put tapes in the camera and i I had a signal and i'm mixing we do the whole thing but something happened and nothing went to the tape that i mixed Mm. now granted that's not going to be you know 100 it's not bulletproof so you want to have those other tapes to add it but that was just one of those mistakes you need to learn but i learned from yeah but man i saw that as such a big failure i had like the first few concerts that i recorded there was always something then we did another one and Something happened with the sound, and of course, if you're recording a concert yeah. and you have shitty sound, then right. you you know it's like you have a shitty product. But uh, with that, it was uh, it was Poppy Street, In Star, sure. Somnia. and what all would, bands that
1: I have. Those are, yeah, those are all my bands. Yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy. I
0: mean, yeah, just great bands, yeah. great memories. And with that, though, I was able to uh, put together uh, a video for that Stone with a lot of that live footage oh, and yeah. a lot of great footage from that. I mean, those guys. And I'm still friends with all those guys, and uh, but I tell you what, it was they were on where the recording matched up. I mean, it's it sunk up so well for Poppy's three. So that stone, it turned out to be a pretty good video that I was able to throw together with just this footage that was a big failure. So it, it wound up looking really good, and I learned a lot from it. But then it was. I mean, I thought, this is the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, you Like know? I'm never going like, to get another gig. Yeah, I'm never. Right? Oh, I can't do this again. Oh, this yeah. is I'm a total failure. And then, then you get back on the horse and do it again. So it's kind of yeah, cool,
1: you know. And I will say that there's a certain uh, charm to that. I don't know if it's charm's the right word, but there's there's something that I wish there's an immediacy to it. I know, but there's something I wish I still had about those that era mm-hmm. that made me just feel like I got stabbed in the heart, you know, like now I'm like, ah, fuck it. We can get it later. Yeah. Yeah. You know that you're, maybe your, your arm, your armor's a little softer now. And, yeah, and yeah. because you're like, oh no, I've been down that road. I don't have to worry so much about it. And it's like, no, that was kind of the beauty of it was that you were so worried about it. Yeah. And it was such a big deal, yeah. you know, and now it's like, maybe it's a little too easy. I don't know. Like I, I've had, you know, my share of bands that come in and, and, they've already been through the ringer and they've they've worked with other people before and this is how it was done. And, and so they'll just like, Oh, I just, I guess we just do drums first. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I don't even know the song that you guys are wanting to work. Can we all just go out there and play it together? You know, yeah, is, that, is cool. that okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're like, well, I mean, you know, why aren't we just going to just get the drums anyway? And I'm like, yeah, but then the bass player can't react to what the drummer is doing. And the yeah. guitar player is only react, you know, the yeah. drummer can't react to the guitar player or anything like that why would we do that yeah you know and i'm like what i thought we were making rock and roll yeah, like yeah. i get if we're making some more straight ahead production uh-huh. you know and then this i think video wise you could go about that the same way yeah. you know but if you're trying to capture a moment it's just kind of like man you're you're really shooting yourself in the foot
0: but the energy is different so it's um it's like when you record, when you're you film, like a narrative film, you have these different chunks and these performances. And even though you may have the actors working, you know, you have somebody reading and the actors are working with one another. It's these bits versus theater. So I look at it that way.
1: where like, jamming, that. like that. Yeah.
0: Jamming and getting that is that live experience. Whereas when you're recording and it's just one guy doing his guitar part it's that fragmented so that's more like the filming aspect whereas mm-hmm. you look at some of these bands that record it all in the same room there's just such a different vibe yeah yeah and i always thought in when i first heard the the pop this record you you uh did you produce that yeah, yeah. when
1: well, i, I pr- pr- uh, quick sidebar yeah. I, I've i never been one to immediately say I've produced anything. Mm-hmm. I uh, it's always produced with them. Oh, cool. I'm the buck never stops with me. It's yeah. the artist. As I've, yeah, as and I you've said always before. been a good I'm at collaborator the of the artist. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Right. No, I like that. So go that. ahead. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, you were part of that team. Yes. And overall, um, so I had I had seen those guys live so many times and they're so great live. Mm. And there's st- such, you know, such a great vibe still. I mean they're still playing, they're now called after Alberta. Mm. I mean, the songwriting is just amazing.
1: They're always It's work. just,
0: oh, I mean, there's still, Randy's writing such, you know, great new songs. I mean, he's such an amazing storyteller. Each song has its own personality. So it's not like you listen to it, what's that song? You know. Mm-hmm. And so back then when I first listened to the record, I was kind of, I, I was so used to hearing them live. I was like, this, I don't know about this. And then, then once I, you know, stopped hearing them live for a while, I listened to the record like, man, this is a damn good record. But it's just such a different energy that sure. uh, that I think you know when you get people that are playing at the same time, it's it's like they were just so good live as a three piece with such power that it's just like a different a different vibe. And you get used to one thing, and you're it's just like you're hearing it so sure. different.
1: Yeah, it's hard to translate, especially like a trio. It's really difficult as well to translate that on a record. Mm. But I, I always joke about it. With the advantage of being live is that you know there's this. The pumping of the speakers there's this bass that just travels through you i'll watch my p-pops uh th- there's this this low end that you know travels through you and yeah. it's like air pushing on you yeah. and, and there's the sound the lights the sweat and the air and all this stuff and then you pop on a record yeah and you can't really get any of those aspects of it you can certainly get the drums the bass the yeah. guitar and the vocals but you have to do other things to sort of add excitement to it so you add maybe tambourines which is mm-hmm. this top end you know that make it a little more antsy or maybe you make a brighter mix mm-hmm. or you add a little extra vocal to it to make it sound like it's kind of echoing off the wall or something like that but it's always a tough one to try to make when you go hear a band live and then you're like i want that on a record is very difficult to do it's easy to do a record mm-hmm. and then perform it live yeah and then, like, well, shit. If someone comes up to me and they're like, "Man, where's the damn tambourine in that song?" It's like, God, give, hug them. You know, like yeah, yeah. they were listening to the record yeah, that absolutely. well. You yeah, yeah, you hear those little intricacies. Uh, yeah, yeah. I never heard the echo that I heard on the record. It's yeah. like no one gives a shit about that live. It's like there's they're boobs and 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 dicks <laughs> bouncing into them. They don't care. Yeah. So anyway.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. But yeah, I love that record. I mean, l- listening back to it, it like, sounds so good. Yeah, the, yeah I it's good. A lot of it holds up. Yeah. yeah, great song. So yeah, that was cool. And that was at the... Uh, now, at that point, w- where did you start? So you said you were apprenticing at one point or you were working for somebody. Was that the upper room at that point or was it Oh, before? no,
1: yeah. The, the upper room didn't happen until 2000. So okay. I... I got out of school in 93, October 93, and then immediately went to Owensboro, Kentucky, All right. at a school called, uh, at a at a studio that a couple music store owners owned. And it was an old like bluegrass studio that was just sort of run down and nothing happened in there. The gear was before I was born. <laughs> uh, but it was great stuff You know A 16 track 2 inch uh, Old spectrasonic console Which now you know, Not now But later I realized They were It was amazing equipment You know Neumann's everywhere Great microphone selection And all this But they had no clientele Nothing was happening I think I got 50 bucks a week I lived in a motel room With a mini fridge And a microwave on top And I thought I was the shit I was just thought This is great I think I was 19 at the uh-huh. time Yeah and I was like, this is all I need. I could walk to work. I was in an old Jeep CJ7. I loved it. Cool. And uh, uh, ultimately, you know, I think I was there six, seven months. And it came to be about, um, it was around the spring that I was trying to, I decided I was going to try to bluff my way into making maybe 75 <laughs> bucks a week, you know. <laughs> and so I went in and talked to him and I was like, hey, you know, maybe we could work something out. You know, I brought in a few bands here or there. And granted, it was bluegrass stuff. but uh-huh. But uh, it wasn't, you know, necessarily paying their bills. And I, in hindsight, I totally recognized that. And I, so I had said, well, you know, I got a job offer back in St. Louis at my hometown. And, you know, I've got family that I could stay with there. Mm-hmm. You know, but if I could get maybe just 75 <laughs> a week, I'd stay, you know. And there was a short pause and he just stuck his hand out and said, nice knowing you. Uh. And I was like, shit. <laughs> so I came back to St. Louis. Oh. And then immediately, this is back when you put resumes out as an engineer. And I went to, you know, all the, all the St. Louis studios, Smith Music Masters. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, um, two relaxed studios at the time. There was a few others. Um, and ultimately, and I was a Baldwin kid. I grew up at West St. Louis. And so, uh, I would drive almost every night. It was probably every other night into the city and I would drive past i had a whole circuit that i would drive past all these studios to see which one had cars parked out for who ah, who's working at night smart i like uh, that it, i needed a gig man yeah. i really i there was no way i was going to go back and and work at like the pizza joint or whatever sure, you know yeah. as much as, as that was fun yeah but it wasn't a career you know and so i would i would hit this circuit and i would hit all these these studios that i had sent resumes to and uh uh, I, I noticed more and more that there was one particular space that always seemed to have cars out front and it was music masters studios. And so one Thursday night, I want to say there was a, there was a lot of cars outside and there was a guy smoking a cigarette out on the, the walkway. This, this, they had a stairwell that walked up to the second floor load in, which is crazy to load drums up a f- flight of stairs. <laughs> but uh, um, so I, I just walked in and I had a resume in my hand, you know, and I was like, had a whole pitch down I was gonna give, you know, basically, and I walked up to the front door, you know, and I could hear band going on in the inside, kind of a big band, horns going on and whatever, and uh, I walked in and and uh, the owner came out, his name's Greg Trampy, came out and he had a he's eating an apple, you know, <laughs> he's like, I hey, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're playing tonight, and I was like, no, 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 I I sent my resume in a couple weeks ago, I want to make sure you got it i wasn't sure you know that's not smart that i yeah. yeah i was just like yeah. i don't know if i got the address right yeah just, sure i was lying you know but here it is you know and he looks at it and he's like eh, what's your favorite vocal mic and i said who's singing <laughs> and he invited me in that night that is awesome and that that was the beginning of yeah. six years four, uh probably four to four to six years there yeah. off right. and on and that was probably the best uh, initial job I had uh-huh. ever had in that because I worked with Jack patrocik And Jack and Greg were really great mentors. And Cindy, his wife, Trampy Tr- Cindy Trampy was running the place. It was a husband and wife uh-huh. operation. And it was the best run facility I'd ever been in. And I've been in several since. And they just had it down. And, and I was eager to work and eager to please them. So yeah, yeah. really enjoyed that. So that was, that was probably 94, 95. And then Colony came back and we had done some demos there with Jack. And then MCA Records signed them. Was that. Was it the Sirens record or was that pre? That was pre. They had a, okay. they had a it was just called, um, I think it was called Go. Okay. And it was a green cover um, uh, with some trees on it or something like that. Okay, yeah. Of course, was Ted the, being a wilderness guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. This was a little before my time. But yeah, see, so this, I was, I this was probably
1: 95. Okay. And, uh, um, but MCA came knocking. They were, they were doing well, they were a good college circuit band. And uh, they got signed to MCA and went to do a record in Vancouver. And they had asked me to, they gave up some of their per diem so that I could have a per diem and tag along with them. Oh, that's
0: fantastic.
1: Well, right. However, this was also when Jason, Jason McAdair, third person, uh just got a Citibank Visa card <laughs> with a pretty nice credit card limit yeah. and that became my college like fund basically sure, my yeah. my college tuition you know yeah. so we went up there and and did a record up there and I was a fly on the wall basically i was a good translator between mm-hmm. their worries and what the producers were saying you know? okay that's cool when you were on when you're on the other side of the glass and and the band gets done playing, and you, you you hit your last note, and all you do is you see two guys talking to each other, but you can't see what they're saying. <laughs> and then they come on the mic, and they're like, oh, "That was great, guys. Can we just do another one?" And you're like, what "And the you're fuck, like, what, what the, the fuck they wrong? are they do? Yeah, what did they do wrong? Yeah, what the hell?" And they would look over th- their shoulder at me, and I'm just like, "It's good. It's yeah, like, just keep, just cool, cool. Yeah, yeah." <laughs> and they'd come it's in, a and they're like, "It's good to it's have a kind yeah." yeah. It was a fly on the wall for them, yeah. but they had, you know that studio was Greenhouse Studios, and it had a really a tremendous. Uh, uh you know team that was working there and uh just i just fell in love mm-hmm. with that at that point too i was like well this is the big studio this mm-hmm. is where i want to be and uh so it was from that moment on i was really sold on it wherever i was if whether it was st louis at mm-hmm. a uh you know a husband and wife mom and pop shop which was a great spot uh but it couldn't it would never have competed with uh you know the vancouver greenhouse studios mm-hmm. or the armory the they ultimately ended up mixing uh, so that sort of started that trajectory for me.
0: Very cool. So that, okay. So you're up there in Vancouver. And then at that point you came
1: back, at what point did, were you working at upper room? So a quick, quick segue there though. So came back from Vancouver, um, ultimately assumed that, you know, as soon as the record's done, the and band's going to go on tour and I'll be the sound guy. Cause oh, I was, a, yeah, I was yeah. a live guy. You okay, know, I did a yeah, lot yeah. of live sound too. So I was really hoping I would be live sound. Uh-huh. So that didn't happen, uh, immediately. Uh, and then another band, Radio Idine, came calling uh, and they needed a live sound guy for a, like an eight week tour, nine week tour with Real Kill. So, did that. And then ultimately, Colony moves on. They get a different sound guy, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. And so we split again. Timing. It's all yeah, about the it's timing. Yeah, it's all about timing. Absolutely. Oh. Um, so, then in between tours, I got to find a gig. So I go back, you know, reluctantly, I went back to music masters and I was like, Hey, I'll I'll make coffee again. If you need me to, I will be the intern. I'll be the assistant. again. You guys are still a busy spot. You Uh still do the best music in town, in my opinion. And I would love to still be a part of this. So they would kind of hire me off and on when I'd go out on the road and stuff. And ultimately it came down to, I just feel really guilty leaving for six weeks and then coming back, you know, nine weeks later and being like, yeah. I'm out of money. I need a gig. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you guys should really find someone new, you know, mm-hmm. Let, let's just move on from that. So then uh, I just went headhunting basically. And the upper room was a newer studio in town, probably came about in like 98 or so. And this has been about 99 probably at this point. And I just went in there and, and said, look, I, you don't really have a, a Studio B your a room's fine and you have your already your staff here and that's cool but i would love the opportunity to like kind of find my way in and fit in i can do that i'll find my way yeah so ultimately uh wound up working there figured out a few um uh personality conflicts within that place and then ultimately wound up managing it and then sort of taking it over um as an engineer and it's kind of a studio Mm -hmm. manager job okay we we fortunately with the ownership, uh, we didn't totally have to rely on a bunch of income. Uh, however, later I realized that we were we really probably should have needed more income. Yeah. Uh, and I won't even bother going into that. But uh, <laughs> but it led to a lot of really great relationships over the time, which uh-huh. is ultimately why I'm here with all of my gear. It was because of the relationships that I made in two thousand and to two thousand and one and two. Mm-hmm. And so I was probably there from ninety nine to two thousand and two or three when ultimately it shut down. He skipped town and moved away. And uh uh we had a, a, a studio partnership that started to, to grow out of that. Um and I, I met a, a couple well, several really great engineers. Brad Sarno being one. Oh, of them. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Jacob Dietering and Lauren Marco, Chris Hughes, who's a good buddy of mine, uh, Daryl McClanahan, mm-hmm. who was sort of the brainchild of that, and Adam Long. And uh,
0: oh wow, yeah, what a what a great right. Well, actually, sort of Jacob
1: being. wasn't a part of it until I came here, but yeah, he yeah. was part of the Chris Hughes sure. and Lauren Marco workup. Gotcha. But um, and I don't think I, I'm sure none of them would mind being mentioned in any of this because they were they're all great great people absolutely um but ultimately we, we started this studio partnership and uh went down a path that ultimately didn't work out other than the fact that we i think all grew from it and realized we needed something specific in our lives mm-hmm. that maybe didn't include the others you know
0: yeah, and everybody did great on their own like i worked with daryl a bunch and yeah great dude and i know uh, jacob well,
1: daryl was part of the somnia click yeah yeah, yeah. Jacob was a, was across the hall here at Sawhorse. Yeah, for yeah, the that's where I first four or met five him. years. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brad Sarno's gone on to do I mean he's still one of my main mastering engineers, uh, as well as making uh his stomp boxes and Oh yeah, uh, his gear his, is his yeah, that's incredible. pretty amazing. He's, the dude's got a sick ear. It's great. It's great. <laughs> and a a great disposition. Yeah. Adam Long is crazy cool. Uh still staying really busy. I don't keep in touch too much with him and Daryl on the music tip. Uh Jacob's killing it. It was his own studio called red pill. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and Chris Hughes resurfaced recently and, uh, is getting back into the game, which is great. But, um, ultimately, you know, Ken shut down at that point, sorry, upper room shut down yeah, at yeah. that point and, uh, uh, forced us all to go a direction, which was this old church in union, Missouri. Oh, uh, cause we had already purchased a bunch of equipment, uh-huh. um, in hopes that we were going to open a studio complex together Yeah, as a five piece. Mm-hmm. And, um, So we were like, we need to tread water because we don't have a studio. And at this point, I was actually pretty busy, busy enough that I felt like I could keep myself afloat. Maybe not an entire studio complex, you know, but myself and a couple of us other engineers, Adam and and Chris Hughes, were we were thinking we were going to be busy enough to do all this. And so we had we were treading water in a in a uh, an old church, not a cathedral type church, more of like a Baptist house church Mm -hmm. in Union, Missouri, um, that we had converted into a, a, I think a killer studio. I mean, it was actually pretty great. Unfortunately, Chris was living there, uh, <laughs> in the back kind of, uh, sanctuary of it all. And I felt really bad and, and still do about kind of jumping in on his, uh, space, but he, he seemed at the time to welcome it. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. We were out there. We were hoping to only be out there for a short time. I mean, I think in our mind's eye, it was maybe a year or, or 18 months while we broke ground and built the place in U city that we were hoping to. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, it wound up being like four years. And over the course of that, we realized that we, we kind of figured each other out and that maybe this wasn't going to be the best partnership. Uh So it just dissolved over time. And Lauren thankfully was, you know, uh, very supportive and left, let us hang there at at that church for a while, that building for Mm -hmm. a while. Uh, and then ultimately I think she was like, I just need to get this stuff off my plate. This is not something that I want to do anymore. And I just kind of looked around the, 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 with the people and I, was, and I think Chris at that point had moved to Milwaukee or was about to move to Milwaukee with his his girlfriend or fiance at the time. And uh, I was just like, I, I still want to have a studio. I mean, this is still my, my idea of, of a studio. So I bought a lot of the equipment that we had all purchased together. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at my wife and I said, do uh, you mind if I refi the house and go looking for a building somewhere? I think I might be able to pull this off. And so ultimately, this is when we lived in the South City area of St. Louis and uh, found this building in uh, 2005. So we were treading water, as I said, from probably 2002 to 2000 and Six Mm -hmm. in April when I moved everything in here, basically. So thanks. Thanks to Lauren for letting us uh, squat at her place for way longer than we should (laughs) have.
0: And what was this building before it was a
1: studio? This uh, the building we're in. Yeah. It was a Virginia auto parts.
0: Ah, It was an auto
1: parts building. Uh, As I understand it, you know, a lot of the dealerships didn't have mechanics shops in them in the late 70s and 80s. And so, um, or, well, they didn't, they didn't stock parts for a lot of that. I don't know if they had mechanic shops or not necessarily, but there were always, you know, like a Napa auto parts store or whatever, but they, there were no Mm -hmm. big chains like that at that moment. So this was a place that had everything is they, I mean, they had 15 to 20 white delivery trucks out front and every day these guys would be delivering all over the city, uh, parts that would come in
0: interesting
1: yeah so they were they were here from 77 till uh probably 99 okay or so or 97 maybe 30 years and then uh ultimately i think they wound up downsizing and moving down on bates avenue mm-hmm. uh, i don't know that they still exist at all but um yeah so it was it was kind of a big ugly greasy warehouse of some sort uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and then and so you just everything that i'm seeing here it, you built everything out
1: yeah, I mean, ah. yeah, I mean, including putting a new roof on it. The okay. only the only thing that's still as it was is any of the brick that you see. Oh, and the, bit, all, yeah, the, all the exterior yeah. brick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, so the the building is designed in kind of three bays: is fifty two, oh five, seven, and nine on Virginia Avenue. And uh, so I was so concerned putting this place together that I wouldn't be able to keep it afloat that I didn't quite overbuild it because I was so worried that i'd have yeah. to sell it oh sure you know a year <laughs> yeah. later i was like i don't even know if this is gonna work um and or yeah just, you build it out too much and then it's just like the next well then, then and nobody can come yeah, in exactly. yeah nobody wants to buy it because it's so specific yeah. so i just kept it as as kind of three straight bays which ah. which works out well for it well it works out great for the sound separation between the two sides yeah. of the studios because there's two studios here um so we have a central sort of commons area which is like a lounge a couple bathrooms yeah. and a kitchen um, and then, uh, so I operate one side and then the, well, actually I don't operate either side really. I operate in whichever side is necessary for, sure. that, for that session. Gotcha. Excuse me. Uh, but we have a, f- a handful of freelance engineers at work here as well. So it always kind of stays busy. It's always nice that there's people coming and going, but yeah, that's everything you see here is, yeah, it was either ripped out and then rebuilt all the way down to the plumbing and electric I did.
0: Oh, fantastic! A pain in my butt. I bet. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> good. Not a skill I really have, but uh, I didn't really know I had you know, it either. You, just, you know, made it happen. Fortunately, yeah, am
1: Yeah, my stepfather was quite into construction, uh-huh. and, and as a as a young teenager, I was always. I grew up in West St. Louis, where there was always new construction mm-hmm. going up. So I spent a lot of my days after school just exploring building sites. Oh, interesting! And I'm I'm I think I'm a reverse engineering type of person. Yeah uh, which is probably why I'm in the trade that I am, uh, that I, I look, I can look at things and sort of pick them apart, Mm -hmm. uh, for better or for worse. And, uh, so it just kind of comes as natural. Like a lot of people I don't think think of what's behind the walls. And a lot of times that's what I always think about. And it's the same with music. It's just, Mm -hmm. I I feel like, and I think that's probably why I called it saw studios. That uh, was a as, question I had. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. cool. All right. I mean, nice. I I didn't really put a ton of thought into it. I mean, the short story is actually my cousin came up with it. I moved out. of I didn't move. Uh, my wife and I were going out of town for two weeks, uh, t- for a wedding. And I had asked my brother-in-law if he would house sit for me. And at that time we had a, a really nice, uh, well, a fixer upper, which I thought was really nice, uh city home. And it had a third story that was underdeveloped. And, uh, so he was like, do you mind if I move some of my music equipment into there? Mm-hmm. And just that third story, no big deal, you know? Uh-huh. I was like, no, no problem, no problem. Yeah. And uh, so he went into my garage and he grabbed a p- pair of sawhorses and then plywood and, and made a record basically up in my third floor loft area. Uh, and lovingly called it and recorded at Sawhorse Studios, you know. That is so, fantastic. So when I was All trying to come up with yeah. something, I was like thinking of like Dutchtown. <laughs> I was like, Dutchtown Records or, you know, Dutchtown Recorders or, you know, it's something with Dutchtown because I love the this mm-hmm. area. Yeah. And uh, he was like, why do you want it to be specific? What if you move? You know, what if you... And I was like, well, fuck it. Just whatever. Sawhorse Studios is fine. I mean, what's in a name anyway at that point? <laughs> and then the more I started thinking of it, the more I'm like, well, you know, I, I am kind of a foundations up mm-hmm. kind of person. Yeah. And once you are starting to work on something, I mean, the first thing on the job side is a pair of sawhorses, you know, and then those plans get laid out on that mm-hmm. plywood on the sawhorses. Nice. You know? And I'm like, wow, that actually kind of works yeah, in hindsight. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would love to say that was my initial thought of it. But I was just, well, sometimes things
0: manifest themselves and it's exactly just, you know, it's a, like that energy builds up and it is very much, uh, you know, there's, there's such mechanics or, uh, uh, you know, you know, the different mechanics of creating music or video or whatever art, you know, you have these different processes and it's all these different pieces and they come together. So, you know, in our industry, we're, we're creating those pieces and then we're building something from that. Yeah. Versus like you go out and buy the lumber and whatnot. It's like, we have to kind of build that lumber and then have that foundation and then build those walls and everything else upon it. So yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah. I enjoy enjoy that process. I like it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think the first time I was here, it was, uh, I recorded an interview with Tom Donovan, who's doing great in Nashville. Awesome guy. guy. Yeah. When I was going to grad school. So it was a little piece I had, um, I think it was based on Martin guitars or it was just some mm-hmm. concept like, uh, you know, interview this guy and yeah, it turned out pretty good. And, uh, it was, it was great that you guys, that you allowed us here. We were in studio B, mm-hmm. I guess it, you call it studio B. Or yeah. What? I mean, okay. f- yeah, I guess it was not, involved. not that
1: it's any less important or less cool. It's just, I mean, studio two would be oh, another yeah. name for it. Yeah, you exactly.
0: Know? So yeah, I guess at that point it was Jacob's space and yeah. I guess, I guess Tom had known Jacob, or Rich Bonte knew Jacob, and uh, so yeah, the the rest was history. And we came in, you know, set up the interview, and yeah, it was cool. So that was, I was sure. Like, whoa, Jason's oh, Jason Space. It was just yeah, I'm not sure such how that an inviting came about. Space.
1: I remember working with Tom Donovan was uh, 2004. Uh, Shock City was uh, Doug Furley and Chris Lash were working on a record. For, I can't remember the artist, but we were out working out of Jumbie Bay. Oh yeah, that yeah. So uh-huh. the old Bush Bush Wildlife Creative, I think is what it used or to no, be. Or no, it was Intervision. Inter... So yeah, it was Butch, Intervision Studios and it that... became
0: Bush Creative after, oh, okay. That. Yeah, after so, that. Okay. So the the brewery did a lot of work there and yeah. then they bought that. So I a heard lot so of my... many
1: stories about hot tubs oh, up yeah, front it was and everything. It's crazy. Really cool facility, yeah. but they they were kind of I think uh Doug and Chris were trying to get their legs about them before they opened up their their mm-hmm. facility they have now. And they they hired me as a freelancer and we hired we just hired band to play, you know. So Chad Smith I think was the drummer, and uh, Tom Donovan was one of the guitar players on it. And immediately he and I hit it off. Yeah. I, he's a great guy, absolutely. And so yeah, um, really talented player too. I remember there was some overdub. We couldn't see. We were in a, we were in separate like remote rooms. We had a big room that they were recording most of the equipment in, or most of the you know mm-hmm. instrumental stuff in, and then uh, the control room was across the hall. And we had no visual. For each other just to talk back mike okay and tom was working on like a guitar part and it it sounded incredible it had like this crazy wah thing that was going on and a delay that was changing and the pitch would like <laughs> you know and all this and and it you know the the production crew was getting a little. Uh, long in the tooth on specifics like uh, that was cool can we do another take Uh and maybe the delay could last a little longer and then maybe it could be a little gnarlier or whatever and (laughs) you'd hear i had a talk back mic on tom and you'd hear tom just go (laughs) oh yeah all right let's do another one you know Uh and and so he'd do it again (laughs) and they were like uh uh, let's okay that was that was cool let's do let's just do one more it was more you know a little more delay a little more gnarly on this and tom would be just like I think someone should come in here and see how I'm doing this, and they might appreciate <laughs> that maybe we couldn't do too many of these things. So, so Doug goes out and looks at him, and like Tom is like his neither feet neither foot is on the ground; they're both on uh-huh. two different like wah pedals, Holy. and he's having to like dance. And he's like, "I'm gonna break this shit at some point if you keep making me do this." Oh,
0: that is insane! I and, love
1: it. And he's also having, of course, to play. Yeah, yeah, it was hilarious, but it sounded incredible.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's the first time I met yeah, him. It was guy. just. uh I don't even remember how that project came about, but to, sometimes that's the magic of of everything. I met Tom. I, I visited him in Nashville at one point. We hung out. That's great. I don't even know what what year. What, around the time he first moved there, he had a great house. Yeah, La Push
1: was his band, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah, now he's just. I mean, he's toured the world. He's riding mm-hmm. with a lot of people. Similar, I guess, story to Ted. He's kind of has like a, yeah. a similar trajectory. Uh, so yeah great guy I've, mm-hmm. you know lost touch but uh, hopefully reconnect with him at some point yeah yeah you should but uh, yeah so many times like I'm listening to music and just coming up with all these visuals and everything and just like it's it's a blessing and a curse because it's like this is in my head and I I want to show other people that but uh, I don't necessarily have the you know all the resources to do it so you I, just kind of throw it out there and hope something sticks and you can make it happen
1: yeah but, I get amazed at the people when I listen to them talk and they can immediately point to a timeline in their life of knowing someone or when something yeah. happened to me, it seems like a blur and it all seems like just last month. I'm it, not, I'm oh, not lying. Yeah, I mean, no I really doubt, do. Yeah. I, I mean, it would not last month necessarily, but it could be like last year. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, did that happen last year or yeah. like four years ago? And then I look on the calendar and I'm like, that was six years ago that I did that record or mm-hmm. did something like yeah. that. It's just, Crazy. And
0: that's I think that's the the cool thing with creating something is I think those landmarks of time that we can say, OK, what this era I was doing this or I worked with Tom Donovan or mm-hmm. this era I worked with this person or oh, this was this project and versus I, I think if I was in an office, I don't think that would resonate as well. You know, it would be hard sure. to. Oh, that was a day. I mean, there, there's certain landmarks in your life and that 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 you remember. But I think with these projects, it's just something that it's like a piece of the. You know, my soul is there.
1: Right. I I agree. Yeah. I feel like that's a real big advantage that we have, uh, or people like us have mm-hmm. in our in our career, our career choice is that it, it isn't just like closing a, a deal on something. You mm-hmm. know, There's there are landmarks, like you're saying, oh. where you can point to and just be mm-hmm. like, I remember f- a feeling after that date, you know, not yeah. just at, on Friday. Sure. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Friday. That's great. Today's great. It's Friday. It's like, no, 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 no. I worked for six weeks on something and it came to fruition. And yeah. It was done. That's out there for the public to see. It's yeah. not just one person that gets satisfied by it. It's millions, hopefully, you know. Yeah, you hope. Right. Yeah. And even if it is just one person. I mean, yeah. at least you have an identity to that, though. Definitely. You know, that that and a connection with that person yeah. or with that group of individuals that worked on that project.
0: Yeah, when you collaborate on something, there's this that co- different kind of connection. Yeah. You know, with the people you work with and whatnot. It's just uh, that creative energy is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so looking, you know, in these these walls who are some of the musicians that have come through i mean we know a lot of similar people sure um i didn't look up a discography or anything like that um but uh you know i know back in the day javier before this studio but what what albums were since i love his work what, what albums were you involved with with him i know you did a lot of live sound but did you, re, did you produce any of his albums? Engineer? What? So,
1: right. So again, production is a light term for me, but, mm-hmm. um, engineering. Or collaborate. Yeah, what did yeah. you
0: collaborate with, yeah, yeah. with Javier on as far as the recordings? Like, uh, I don't, I mean,
1: everything since he moved to Nashville or everything since before he moved to Nashville. He, so he, he was working with, um, the upper rooms, uh, owner at the time. And that was his manager at the time. Oh, Ken, okay. Ken Hensley. Okay. And, um so I got all the work from that and immediately Javi and I had, had hit it off really, really well. And so when they split Javi and I stayed together. And then when I opened this place, Javi still came to me okay. to do work on that. Nice. So, I mean, I mean, I couldn't name every album, uh, every album he's done since okay. Nashville, since he's been in Nashville now. Um, yeah.
0: So like pre Hobo Kane.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, he's done a record under Javier Mendoza in Nashville as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but, I mean, I think we did two of them, his the two of them here, and probably four at the upper room. Maybe I bet I've done six with him. Yeah, he has. He, he he's a lot prolific, dude. The, the guy writes constantly. And the the beauty of him is that he writes in in two languages, and so you could come. Well, I mean, he has come out with a uh, a record in English and a, mm-hmm. a record in Spanish, and then he'll do sometimes the same song in all English or all Spanish yeah. or mix it up. Yeah. When he did you and two. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Those, those are part great. Of that one too, yeah. Great
0: albums. Uh, the other one, I think the title of the album, I know the song was don't look back. And I think that was the same, yep. same title. Yep. And I love that song, the hallelujah and mm-hmm. the story about his niece. Mm-hmm. And so that's one that I put a video treatment together. It's terrific. It's just, I mean, and then of course my idea was like grand scale hospital and all that. I even went to uh, BJC and did some scouting and they were they were great. They had an empty floor, and I'm like looking at all this. But it's just so many resources. Jeez. It was just one of those things that just never yeah. happened. But it's in the back of my mind. And I, I think in this day and age, I know you put out an album. It's I think in the internet age, I, and some of these songs, especially if it hasn't been something that has has that mass scale of release, mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, I think you can can re, you know go back and typically. People want to record or put a video out for the new song off the new album. Right. But I think, I mean, my view is if you have a great song and a great concept and it brings more people to your YouTube or to the rest of your catalog, then, uh, you know, go for it. Right. So it's still like, A bit of a dream of mine. I I think it would be a good kind of a hybrid, a a branded entertainment piece for, like, Barnes Jewish Hospital. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it's like I I do some work with them. And at some point, the right opportunity is going to come along to say, hey, look, at here's what I did. And I've got it mapped out as far as I basically cut to the song, which is text. So it's like I have the edit primarily done. I know how long. Sure, you storyboard it. Each clip needs to be. Yeah. So I didn't do any visuals, but that was just one technique I kind of developed where you know i and i did that for uh tom donovan he had this song called cold winds blow mm-hmm. and so when i was hanging out with him in nashville and uh my friend uh, a buddy of mine has a place called a listening room cafe and so i was hanging out at his house and there i am like in the evenings like kind of cr- mapping yeah. out this song it's for, for tom and it is again you know it's just a bit of a dream because you know as far as the pre-production and those things easy enough. Uh, mm-hmm. but as far as getting a crew and, and once you develop that vision and wanting to see it as it's in, in, in one's head, it's like a totally different thing. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like, yeah, you know, it was, it was cool to do. And, uh, but you know, I was like, Oh, I wish I could, you know, have to see that to show others. Yeah. But, yeah uh, sure. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. But, uh, so how about you? Any projects that you're like, I really want to do this project and it just, uh, you maybe you do the pre-production or you envision it and then it just never happened?
1: Uh, well, definitely. Uh, so talking about like your storyboarding kind of vibe. Yeah. So I remember um, the last days at the church in Union, uh, I was part of the, the recording academy, the Grammy chapter. I was a governor on the board of directors oh, there. Oh, fantastic. And we had done a, um, uh, like a, Oh, what would it be like uh, a critiquing of Missouri artists? Like anybody can submit in the state of Missouri and, you know, um, you can win uh, recording time. But more importantly, you get feedback from top artists, mm-hmm. you know, and top executive producers and things oh, like that's that. fantastic. That are on, on their network. It's not just me, of course. Sure, yeah. But um, ultimately, that led to me working with this band, Ludo. And um, we were, fortunately at the time, they were really working on this concept uh, EP called the broken bride and they'd come in and uh, uh, we had done a couple demos of the song and one of them was about this, this concept album. And I, they kind of basically used up the time that was given to them after winning this, this, you know, project uh, uh, critique. Uh And uh, I said, you guys are great. I would, I mean, I I would love to continue this. And they said, that's, that's awesome. Why don't you come out to rehearsal? And, We'll run down the ideas that we're going through on this this concept thing, and Andrew Volpe, the lead singer, has I mean the most vivid imagination ever, and he has these five songs scripted out, and they're practically whiteboarded, and I mean everything you would love as a storyboard, right? You would you would immediately look at this and go, I can shoot a video for this front to back, and we can make a thirty minute you know movie out of this, a film. Uh, so. The concept, I mean, they had run the songs, they had known, they knew their parts and everything. I was just concerned that I was going to have to try to keep up with them um, to get, uh, you know, a, not a good performance, but like to kind of grasp it all. Fortunately, they knew it so inside and out that we went to the, the church basically and spent, you know, a good nine or ten days uh, knocking this out. And it, it was a really great concept album. Uh to the point where i wish that i mean and this is something that you do when you are hired as a producer Mm -hmm. on an album is that you you kind of storyboard the songs in a way you you at least get to uh listen to them in a rehearsed scenario stop them and say oh what if what if we change this or do this or do that you know and what if we change the key here we put a stop here we don't do this many measures of this here it's something that you, you sort of start to take for granted when you work maybe in a in a more uh high budget or mm-hmm. professional realm and yeah. on the coasts or, you know, yeah. for label work. That's something that you, you you don't get the opportunity to do a lot of times in the local market, mm-hmm. you know, in the regional world. Uh so working with them was really great because I they had already sort of conceptualized so much of it that it was really easy for me to to, to kind of run with it. And then, you know, you start working with some bands that are just like, well, they're just going to come in and jam. And it's like, okay, I can't offer too much with that, but I'm happy to capture it all, you know, and you do that. So Ludo was definitely one of those where, you know, you you go after them, and I mean, that that turned out to be really fruitful. I mean, they got signed to Island Def Jam Records. Uh, They were, I mean, they were being looked at by several different labels to the point where uh, they got myself and mark mccluskey another producer involved and they said let's let's all just jump on sawhorse studios for a, a good week and we're going to flush out like 25 songs that we have mm-hmm. and we'll present those 25 songs ah, to yeah. the label yeah so the, the labels, the demoing process yeah. yeah but it was really a redemoing demoing ah, of, of other demos okay. that we had already done oh, we just okay. sort of kept whittling it down oh, cool. to either the better songs or uh-huh. what we need to make sound better uh and ultimately they decided you know Island F jam was one of their the the labels that they wanted to go with which proved to be a really great you know team mm-hmm. uh but yeah there's there's a lot of that unfortunately uh, like haha ha tonka is another group that I started with in in uh union as a band called amsterband um and i think <laughs> they like, I, I, right, right i think they also realized the humor in that as yeah. well but we had in, in like 9 days we had worked up a great 10 song album uh that was very uh, very off the cuff, but they were so good. They are so energetic and and sort of like what we were talking about earlier is trying to capture that live vibe mm-hmm. on a record. I think it did a really good job. It was, I think, Buckle, Buckle in the Bible Belt. He loves uh, the alliterations on his, his albums. Um, Buckle in the Bible Belt was a really great one. It was really captured front to back, pretty much live. I mean, a lot of late nights and a lot of whiskey, but um, really great. And I was just hanging on by the seat of my pants. I was just like, you know, we want it to be live. So I'll go at it with that approach. I, you know, set up my, my studio, the way I feel like that can benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that, that worked out well for them. They got signed to bloodshot records as a result of that, you know, and that led to, I think four more albums that we did. I think they've done six totals, Uh, but you know, the next three were done here, which turned out really great. Including we did a live at off Broadway that, I think sounds amazing. I love that space. I love Off-Broadway. Yeah. And it really needs to come back.
0: Yeah, that's a sad thing right now. We're looking at a lot of these great venues that, um, you know, you hope, you hope, hope, hope that they can just hang on. Right. Because I love Off-Broadway. I love the old Rock House.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, 2020 is proving to be a a difficult time for musicians and, Mm -hmm. you know, and artists in general and, and and I consider those artists the, the bar owners and the the promoters yeah. the booking agents all of them man it's really tough
0: absolutely
1: but yeah um, and so then you know you work with some other artists and and like you'll have sometimes they have the wherewithal of of sort of timelining their uh, their ideas of what they're going to use in the studio uh, if you're fortunate enough to get um, a band in for weeks on end that's awesome, but in in our in our market here, it's we're usually working on weekends, yeah, or you know, couple three, of evenings, and, yeah, three <laughs> days in a row, yeah, yeah. or evenings yeah. when we can, piecemeal, yeah, yeah. I mean, I try to get it as much as I can, you know, Im- immediately. You know, if a band wants to come in and and yeah. they want to work on you know fifteen songs over two days, immediately, I'm saying, okay, great, let's t- tell me about these seven songs we're going to work on, and they're like seven songs. <laughs> <I think." laughs> All right, well, maybe seven songs we're going to work on. I'm like, so cool. Tell me about these four songs, you know? And I'm just trying <laughs> to logic. whittle. Well, because it's That's, only going to be better. Yeah, absolutely. It, the more, if, if they really want a, an opinion from a third party, yeah. it only helps to whittle that down to just yeah. minimal uh, focus, you know, on, on on a number of songs.
0: Yeah, I've made that mistake in the past. Like, oh, we're going to do this video, and I'm going to do a photo shoot, and we're going to do this and that. And right. Like, you stretch yourself too thin.
1: Yeah, and you, you stretch just, yourself really thin, and you're not getting compensated not for it, and yeah. the quality's not there. Yeah. You're exactly right, and. And then the end result is something that may, may turn out fine, Mm -hmm. fine, you know, but it won't be what it should, what it could be if you were just to slow it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think you were alluding to that a little earlier about nowadays, it it necessarily isn't always about the full length album. Mm -hmm. You know, you can work on one song at a time, especially in the pandemic that we're in now. Oh yeah. People have a little more time to slow down and Mm -hmm. focus on those things. And so there is a positive out of all of that. Absolutely. You know, which is a little bit of slowing it down and, mm-hmm. and giving, giving some me time to, to each song, you know? Yeah. Um, but having said that there are plenty of albums that I've done. Uh, I mean, where it's just, well, I mean like the bottle rockets, for instance, they have come in and they've done two. Oh, albums. Oh in. yeah.
0: The bottle rockets.
1: They're great at it where they're very much like, uh, like mercenaries in a way uh-huh. when they come. So they'll bring Roscoe in and, um, uh, and their engineer, Mario, and they would come in on a Monday, set up Monday night, and then they would work all day Tuesday through Friday. And every day was a new song, and they would, they would just seek mm-hmm. and destroy, right? And then they would be done with those four songs. And then four weeks later, they'd come back together again and do the same routine. But it wasn't like, let's just get together, and in those four days, just record drums. Okay. Right. Uh, which is a, which is a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the problem is then you're stuck with that same drum sound, right? And it doesn't necessarily always work. I mean, it can work, Uh but it doesn't maybe have an emotional connection for everybody involved. So they would work on just one song on, let's say Tuesday and well, different snare drum, you know, different guitar, Uh you know, different tuning, maybe, you know, different amp different mental state, you know, and then the Wednesday they, and then they would re they would realize that song by Tuesday night, it would be kind of in the can. I mean, maybe missing mm-hmm. percussion or something like that, you know, but the meat and potatoes were there. The essence was there Wednesday. They would do the same thing Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. And then if you're really fortunate, you get a band that comes in for weeks on end, which rarely happens here, but has happened. Um, Early on, it was uh, a, a guy named John Heiserer uh, for building Rome. This was back in uh, 2005. Or it was probably 2006 or mm-hmm. seven, and he had brought in a producer, Stephen Hagler, and Hagler had done the Pixies and Quicksand. Oh, I love the Pixies. Oh, Pixies, yeah, one of my Pixies are my favorite. Great. And so I was super stoked to come work yeah. with him, but it was six weeks on end, uh-huh. and uh, which was great. And at and the you end, you were engineering. Weeks, I was engineering okay. that. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of that it was it was still not done, uh-huh so there were still small things to, to be done about that and then uh, a band comes in just even last October with Shaman's Harvest that came in for thirty days. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, and they' they're great, they're yeah. still
1: killing man and uh and they came in with the idea of trying to realize an album. it necessarily wasn't always flushed out, mm-hmm. you know um, but ultimately, I think it's the same result as some of these other groups that I work with, which you may consider regional bands mm-hmm. um that they still put in the same amount of time, but it takes them almost two years sometimes sure, to do that, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of depends on the production tactic too. I mean, some stuff, so maybe a little more slick and it has to have more time spent mm-hmm. on it. But, um, but yeah, uh, I mean, and then you get people like Nick Lowe that comes in, who's an amazing artist, uh, produced six of the Elvis Costello albums. Uh, it was in a band, uh, gosh, in the late 70s. I'm trying to remember his uh, band name with John. Um, well, he wrote, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding.
0: That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And
1: uh, Oh, oh, sure, you know Peace, Love, and Understanding by Ellis Costello. Yeah. And uh, so he came in with this band called, uh, with his backing band, Low Straight Jackets. And they all wear like lucha masks live. <laughs> oh. And he's just a classic artist, man. He's yeah. tremendous. And he came in in four days, laid down four songs. Uh-huh. Uh, and they just, I, I like the idea of attacking it kind of one at a time. Sure. So, Cause you're allowed to just sort of specifically address that song's mm-hmm. needs. You let it breathe. And then do, move yeah. on. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean like the psychedelic furs came in, uh, in 2018 and 2019 for ab- about 16 days each. And the, the purpose was to flesh out songs, but ultimately to get drums. Mm-hmm uh well rhythm section, drums, bass, guitar. Uh uh they cut some vocals here. I don't know if that any of it ended up on the album. Uh-huh. But uh you know, the the purpose of that was like I think in a couple of weeks we fleshed out, you know, a half dozen songs, figuring out what drums to use, which room to use. I mean they had both studios going. And oh, very cool. Right. So it's not just so cut and dry like you set up your drum kit and there yeah. you go. It can be that easy and uh-huh. it can be that simple. Um but sometimes, you know, people want to serve the song maybe a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or they just don't have that vision or the, quite frankly, the pocketbook to do that. Sure. It's, it's, I mean, it's completely understandable. Yeah.
0: Um, and a cool thing, you know, I had some notes about that album. Uh, but looking at that, so engineering versus producing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, um, of course, the, the mechanics of it, I guess you have less, uh, you know, input maybe, but I mean, as far as mics and everything, I mean, that's so important where you place the mics, how you do that, the different techniques. I mean, give me a description of, I guess, the two, how you handle both of those tasks differently.
1: Right. So, um, when I know that there's, a, a third party producer on hand, uh, in this case, like in this case of uh, psychedelic furs, it was Richard Fortas. Um, you, uh, reserve many comments obvious so many of so much of it is obvious stuff though Uh, it may be performance issues Mm -hmm. you know like something was a little off here or there or you're not hitting the snare drum consistently and it's just something you can just sort of mutter under your breath to the producer in the room like Mm -hmm. Maybe we could get a little more consistent thing here. And then, you know, he can convey that. Yeah, you plant them. the seed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nothing that they don't know already. Yeah. It's just maybe it's an affirmation that I hear it too.
0: Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, a fresh ear you know, to confirm right. a little confirmation. And a lot of nice. that is
1: it is great to, you mm-hmm. know, be an engineer is one thing. And then it's also nice to confirm your your mic choice mm-hmm. or. The perspective that you're you're going after and just by looking over and saying do we like it that roomy you know sir mr producer yeah, you know yeah, yeah. do we like it roomy like that you know as opposed to just asking the drummer do you like it that room and he's like fuck yeah i love john bonham <laughs> and you're like this isn't john bonham yeah yeah but you know, like they can't, you know, a lot of times the artists can't remove themselves from their own performance. So yeah. they look to you as an engineer yeah, and, you and then now you get this co-production objective credit. Objective outlook, yeah. Right. Yeah. But when you have a producer that's sitting beside you, yeah, you can collaborate a little bit more mm-hmm. on, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's collaboration. It's just nice to have someone that just goes, everything sounds cool, man, continue on and let them worry about mm-hmm. the, the psychology of dealing with the band sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah you don't have to worry about that because it is nice to, to, um, I can just listen to what a snare drum sounds like for a change as opposed to like, I'm just throwing up my normal snare, my normal drum package, you know? Yeah. And now I'm like worried about just their timing, you know, and all that to where maybe there's a producer that's like, you know, I feel like we're just a little long in the tooth. You know, we don't need to go through that entire intro before we go to the second verse. Maybe we just cut the intro in half or we don't even do the introduction again. You know, we just go right from the chorus, right into the second Mm -hmm. verse. It which is something I'm happy to throw out there as the guy that they come to at Sawhorse Studios, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I mean it's, it'll slip by me once in a while, you know, like these production ideas, because I'm so worried about the clock for them or uh, if they could even do it. Sometimes maybe you don't have artists that have that savvy about them. Yeah, like um, not not that an artist that doesn't have their savvy, but sort of back backtracking to. Overproducing or overthinking stuff. I worked with a band called North Mississippi All Stars, and it's uh, Luther and Cody Dickinson, and their dad was Jim Dickinson, who worked at Sun Studios. I mean, these guys are oh, seasoned cats. Wow. They've been okay. around for years. And I mean, I wouldn't say they've been around for years. Yeah. They're like in their early thirties. Oh. But they are a very much like a kind of warts and all kind of vibe. And they'll come in when they're on tour, and they'll hit me up and stop here from like noon to three, and they'll nail like three or four songs. And it's just throw shit up. Yeah. Warts and all. If it happens, it happens. Okay. If you know, when they're in New Orleans, they'll do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe they could mesh the two sessions together. Was, yeah. Maybe yeah. they can't, you know. So some of it is sort of fly by the seat of your pants. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if it doesn't happen, it was wasn't a really bunch of money out of their pocket. It was a rehearsal for them or it was a way to flesh out a song. Sure, yeah. You know? Um, certainly I prefer kind of the a little more time to reflect upon Absolutely. your decisions. Yeah. But sorry, I digress. Uh, so it is nice when there is sort of a producer in the room mm-hmm. to do those things. But ultimately, you kind of wind up turning around to the room and just saying, is it sounding all right, guys? I mean, mm-hmm. is this the direction you guys want to go? Yeah. I mean, or were you thinking more lush reverbs and stuff like that? And, and that's when you start to pick out the alpha in the room or whomever else has maybe the bigger vision <laughs> yeah because when someone's like i love the cure the other one's like i really was into danzig you know and you're yeah. like wow we have you yeah. guys had this conversation <laughs> before because i don't think i don't know if you guys have talked about yeah it.
0: sometimes it's kind of nice to not uh you know always be in charge and just focus on, on a technical aspect so i like that sometimes if i just go out for as a, a camera operator or some other technical position it's nice just to add that input right um you know support somebody else's vision and just not have that full weight upon my shoulders
1: and sorry so to so to go back uh to answer your initial question which was you know what i think about when i go out to engineer something is i do have that conversation with the band ultimately which is mm-hmm. do you like I, i'm sorry i haven't had the opportunity to hear any demos because they're either they're not provided or mm-hmm. i haven't been able to see the band live yeah um but, you know, if you had to make some sort of a triangle or a Venn diagram of your band, where do you sit with this? You know, and they're like, well, we kind of like this, this and this. And I'm like, OK, so are we leaning more of like a roomy punk sound, yeah. you know? Or? And so that gives me an idea of like maybe how many distant mics maybe I need to throw up or what style of mm-hmm. uh, of microphone I could use. If, For instance, if they wanted something that was maybe on the darker side, you would use maybe less condenser microphones uh, and maybe more ribbons mm-hmm. Um maybe not too many direct mics on the drums or things like that. But for the most part, I mean, I have a general straightforward package that I throw up when I don't know much about what's happening. And then it kind of covers quite a few bases. I do get thrown for a loop once in a while and I try to be as diplomatic about handling it, (laughs) but it throws me for a loop too. When someone, you know, like anything else, when you've captured something and then they're like, well, I was really hoping it would be more black and white. And you're like, um, I'm not quite sure I understand what that means. I'm not quite sure I can get there yeah, yeah. from here. Like I wish this conversation could start over. I wish the song could start over yeah. with this conversation of had, have, have uh-huh. happened,
0: you know, but you're like, yeah, you're like, Oh, we've already, yeah, we've kind of gone down, down a yeah, road. We've already
1: dove in right. <laughs> the deep end of the pool. Uh, yeah. And to some degree it's like, well, we can climb back out. Sure. You yeah. know, and, and, and approach it again. But do we have the, the time? Do we have the means for that? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, so sometimes it is, uh, it will be what it will be, you know? And and then I always like to remind people that, you know, how do you know when a song is finished? And it's like, you don't, you know, you just finish it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a song's never finished. It's abandoned at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, but you're that's just like, a great quote. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Same way with like certain projects, you just have to abandon it. Otherwise you work on it forever.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, I get plenty of times where, you know, the drummer comes back with a mix revision and he wants the hi-hat mm-hmm. louder or a Tom, yeah. playing up louder and it's like that's not really the focus of this i think that's fine i don't think it's worth pulling this all back together again just mm-hmm. to, to make those type of moves and and but you still there's a level of diplomacy that you have to throw there mm-hmm. you know and and i i know plenty of people that are just very stern about it and they're like no fuck no why would i do that you know yeah but
0: interesting so how did the me. uh had you worked with uh, richard
1: Fortas before no, so that was, uh, you had mentioned him before, Rich Labonte is a friend of ours, mm-hmm. and uh, um, the story goes that, you know, Rich, Richard's been out with Guns N' Roses for a number of years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, since a- I think 18, like 2002, years. I think. And uh, um, they were they were on, on a small break, uh, and um, the opportunity came that uh, Richard Butler, who he had played with in Love, Spit, Love, uh, uh, they wanted to work together on a record. I don't know if... if fortis had pitched this or mm-hmm. if butler brought it up or whatever but um steph uh fortis's wife richard's wife said you know i mean i you've been out on the road for so long you know we just got married it would be great if we could try to keep this in town mm-hmm. so R- fortis went looking for a studio here in town and he leaned on his buddy Levante and uh, Rich and I L- Rich Levante there's so many Richards in this yeah, story yeah, yeah, yeah. so Levante and I know each other and so it just sort, of, sort of came to meeting there and asked he they asked for an equipment list to make sure I could satisfy the studio could satisfy mm-hmm. the needs of that okay. front end and um and then Fortis and I got together and we walked the space and sort of talked about how we'd go about approaching it and I let them know that you know we had both rooms that we could make available, so we could have kind of a large palette of sounds. Nice. Um, and fortunately, the freelance guys here at the studio were accommodating for the first half of the day, while we left a, a second drum kit set up in the other studio. Uh, that we were this, this control room is tied into both rooms. So, um, and so I, I let them know all the options, and it seemed that it was just going to work. So Fortis and I got together on that, and originally they had brought in their own engineer uh who was who was seemed, seemed to be working okay mm-hmm. um but apparently some some thing had happened and the guy wound up cutting out early so they asked me if i would just join the crew
0: you're in the right place at the right time uh, <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah, again yeah. it's,
1: it's, it's, it's again you know it's what you mm-hmm. want to be and uh uh which is a whole other story about interns and things like that and a studio assistants and mm-hmm. now i don't even have any but uh for, for <laughs> yeah. that very reason they I, don't want to hang that. out
0: yeah i love that on your on your uh i think it's one of your pages or social media you're like i'm the producer janitor
1: engineer yeah, you know a jack of all trades yeah. exactly yeah. yeah barista yeah yeah so okay so then so the engineer uh you were able to
0: fill in that role
1: right so and and fortis was still in the production role of all that um, and that was after that first initial two weeks that they were here in 2018 or, or 16 days. And so I went in September to go see them live and uh, uh, got backstage and you know said hello to them all and, and Butler had and asked me if I would be happy to or if I'd be interested. And I was happy to uh, In, engineer their, oh, next, cool. their next round. I didn't realize yeah. they were going to be coming back for a second. Oh, that's round. cool. Yeah. Um, I figured that September we were going to be working on saxophone parts, but mm-hmm. that that timing didn't quite work out. And I was stoked to you know work on the second half of the record and and then ultimately finish it for him. Well, I think Ford has finished it at his place with some vocals and some saxophone. Work. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's a great, great it's record. It's a great record, man, especially after 29 record. years. I mean, yeah. they still sound fantastic. And, and one of the interesting things, and I wasn't sure what as far as engineering, but there's so many different sounds. But well, you mainly handled uh, rhythm section here?
1: Right. And we we did dive into, I mean, F- Richard Fortas has just a sick collection of g- equipment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously guitars, guitar uh-huh. amps and pedals, mm-hmm. um, but uh, plenty of other things, too so it was uh, as i've said before it's it was a little bit like christmas every day fortis would show up with a, a you know a, a milk crate of just crazy shit that you'd never see <laughs> and so uh so another richard rich good is the guitar player and in, in furs mm-hmm. uh who lived mostly in our back iso room for the for two uh-huh. weeks on uh gin and tonics uh but uh he was tr- he's i love him to death cool um uh, so ultimately, we 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 got a lot of the rhythm tracks down. Uh, the drums ultimately got accomplished for the most part, uh, and so we had pulled a lot of amps into the big room uh, to record. Mm-hmm. And that's when Fortis and and Rich Good get to shine a little bit on their uh, accoutrement mm-hmm. with uh, pedals and and guitar amps and stuff. So there would be like six or seven guitar amps out there, and then mm-hmm. guitar player would be in here with pedals, and then we would constantly swap stuff out just to make new mm-hmm. and interesting sounds i'm sure tim palmer the mix engineer uh fussed with a lot of stuff as well i can hear a lot of special spatial stuff that was going on that i know we didn't i, I didn't uh-huh. have a part in yeah but i can tell that there's still a lot of meat and potatoes that we did oh that's cool so it, who knows once it gets to certain stages yeah. i mean when it gets to the mix stage
0: and it was how oh, that record was mixed so well
1: really well tim palmer oh. is a stud man the guy knows what's going on
0: yeah i don't know i mean i don't know much i know some of the names like uh you know yeah, like so the bigger a, names. he's a
1: he's a brit uh by he's a uk guy um who came up i mean one of the i mean one of his early records was pearl jam 10 uh, so yeah. huge huge album for yeah, him absolutely. and that sort of solidified him and he's done tons of big records since then um and still continues to do them but now he lives in austin uh and so I think that connection maybe happened from Richard Butler. I'm not sure if Richard Fortas had that connection mm-hmm. or not, but it was a perfect pair. It's fantastic. Yeah, And uh, I'm, I'm not a...
0: I mean, I haven't gotten into the vinyl. It's just like, it's so at this point in my life, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't see that happening, but uh, my buddy, I don't know if you ever worked with Jim Oosley. He sure. was in uh, My Two Planets My Two plants I and, did several records for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're, yeah all these connections, but he posted something on Facebook where, when he had bought it and the purple vinyl and all that, it's mm-hmm. just beautiful.
1: Yeah. I think that's a necessary thing if you're coming out of 30 years of record making, yeah. you know, you get your next record after 29 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it? You you gotta put it on some color vinyl, it, and it's just yeah,
0: it's so cool. It's art, you know, just the well, record absolutely. itself right. and the things that people are doing now with the vinyl. Like I saw something that was like a clear vinyl that yeah. like uh, you could see through it, and oh, it was it's like, been happening
1: for a bit. I yeah. mean, I just did uh, during this quarantine. I did a lot of uh, uh, transfers uh, for SkinGraft Records, which was uh, is a Chicago, St. Mm-hmm. Louis kind of base thing, and they had to send me old tapes old half inch tapes quarter inch tapes Mm -hmm. i mean i even got cassette tapes and and vinyl from them to transfer to archive and from 92 i was getting clear vinyl Mm -hmm. so it's been around for a bit yeah
0: yeah see i just that was one thing i just never got into it was just easier for me to get cds and whatnot of course yeah uh, one day you play those in your car
1: yeah oh yeah Yeah, record skips constantly in your
0: car (laughs) (laughs) you know in the power supply you know you you know run these inverters and everything and yeah it's cool um yeah no great great project that's so cool that you're able to be a part of that
1: i, I feel really lucky yeah, mm-hmm. yeah i was happy to have it here in st louis
0: yeah yeah hopefully one day you know it'd be like the pixies coming to the studio That'd be that would be great fantastic yeah yeah i
1: would love something like that
0: but uh yeah that was a, that was a cool one um what else what else um so outside of music I mean, what do you do to keep balanced? And because uh, I think you do any one thing that uh, gets a little stale or maybe you lose perspective. Sure. I mean, what do you do to uh, other activities that uh, like for myself when I bicycle? That's great. It's, you know, I start getting ideas for different things when I separate from from what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah.
1: I like to uh, uh, tear stuff up. Yeah, and build stuff. Okay. I, I really enjoy that. I, look, I work on my house as, whenever I can. Fortunately, I have a, a wife and three daughters that are very tolerant uh-huh. of of me yeah. ripping you know bathrooms apart and maybe doing those home projects. Mm-hmm. I feel like I do them pretty well, you know. Uh, as I was saying earlier, I like to reverse engineer stuff, and I read a lot about how to do those things. I enjoy that. Spend a lot of time with my, my going to my girls' events, mm-hmm. softball, cool. and soccer, and stuff yeah. like that. It's hard to keep up with three, you know, preteen, teenage daughters. Yeah. Uh, And then my wife's really active with that. Mm -hmm. So we try to stay as busy as we can with that. We love our families, extended families. So we have some people out of town that we go visit a lot. And I wind up helping, like I'm building a deck right now with my father-in-law. So on the weekends or whenever I can get off time, we'll go up there and do those things, you know. Uh, And I've always sort of done that, building projects here around the studio. Uh, You know, just... Working in audio is one thing, but I still piddle around the studio a lot, uh, changing things up or building things or, um, uh, maybe communicating with some of the artists that are eventually going to come in, you know, um, maybe it's not just directly recording them or whatever, but I do, it is really a big passion of mine to stay here and be a part of this. And I feel like if I'm away from it for any couple of days so that I feel like I'm jonesing to <laughs> just show up. Yeah. Even if I'm even if there's stu- sessions going on yeah. that I can't be a part of, uh-huh. I still wind up showing up. Gotcha. And uh making coffee or whatever else. It's just something I'm I'm very proud to be a part of it. But I do, you know, I'm not a I'm not a huge bicyclist, although we love going about the town mm-hmm. with the kids and doing that, but I mean raising three girls is keeping me busy Oh, bet. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't I don't go out much. Like uh-huh. even even before quarantine, I wasn't clubbing much or anything like that. I'm a bit of a recluse when it comes uh-huh. to that. I really enjoy my home life and staying there and just piddling about the house. Very cool. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff.
0: Yeah. We'll go with uh, a few rapid fires. If you, okay. um, like what album, you know, historically, you know, if you, you could say, I mean, I, w- I really wish I would have produced that album.
1: Oh, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever had. So I'm a huge tears for fears fan. Elementals, uh, one of my favorite mm-hmm. records to listen to. Um, I don't think I think of it like that, mm-hmm. but I do think, uh, listen to records and think how they went through that, gaunt, sure. that gauntlet of yeah. production. And, and I mean, everything back from, uh, violent films added up like, you know, punk acoustic rock. You know, I was just like, wow, who had the balls to say that 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 would, that'll go. That'll be great. Don't worry guys. it will be perfect. You know, I've never, I can't imagine having that type of, uh, fortitude Mm -hmm. you know that 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 type of attitude even you know just just to say that'll work yeah so i don't know that i've ever listened to something and said boy i wish i would have produced that Uh i just really envy it
0: sure like you just think about what that experience would be like working with those artists i mean well i guess let me reframe it then how i mean what artist would you have loved to work with i mean maybe somebody's not around like zeppelin Mm. i mean you know we'll never see another zeppelin record again most likely not but uh what artist would you have said you know i'd have loved or still you know the possibility of working with a a certain artist sure group of artists
1: i would put Tears of Fears is probably up in that category because they cover, they cover a lot of ground Mm -hmm. and there's a lot, there's a lot to their palette, You know, it's not just a guitar rock thing. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot of keyboard elements and uh, production to it, which I enjoy. So, I mean, I would probably put them up there. I mean, they've seemed to stand the test of time. Um, Yeah. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. it's not a sexy one, but. I, cool. I just really there's, enjoy that. Yeah, there's yeah, some great tunes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I listen to some elements of it, and I'm just like, oh, there's there's artists, you know, and, and instrumentalists that I really enjoy listening to. Like, mm-hmm. I like, I'll, I'll pop up records just for the sake of listening to them, and I, I just often fantasize, like, uh, you know, Tracy Bonham uh, uh, on um, a couple of her records. I'm just like, wow, the rhythm section is so amazing. You know, it's Taylor Hawkins, mm-hmm. I think, or no, it's Josh Fries and, and those but yeah i mean i just listened to some of the elements of it mm-hmm.
0: yeah taylor hawkins was he he played with alanis morissette, alanis morissette right?
1: yeah. yeah and then eventually the Foo fighters
0: yeah. yeah that's a what a great story that guy's a beast yeah yeah, yeah. and it's just like it, it's so cool that i mean it takes somebody a certain someone for dave Grohl just to let go yeah yeah and trust so i mean great story i love the uh documentary the Foo fighters back to front i don't know if you've seen i don't that. think i've seen that check no, no. it no, no, out it's, great. it's it's great and then i uh I met the uh, director of that at the uh, when I was at the Austin Screenwriters Conference. Was that? Yeah, I think it was yeah, it was a conference in Austin mm-hmm. and it was like, "Oh, he he was uh, executive producing another documentary." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's the guy. So James Mull. He's yeah, awesome." Yeah. So, yeah, still want to try to get him on the podcast. I, I chatted with him briefly. I was like, "Dude, I love that Food Fighters great. documentary." And, and the cool thing about that documentary, it started out as just like an EPK an electronic press kit for whatever album they were working on at the time. And it just became something so much deeper. And it was like just the regrets Dave had for the original drummer and how he kind of pushed him out and just, you know, it's just, it's it's like a good story of reflection and, and just sort of uh, how we started
1: talking about how you try to catch B roll Mm -hmm. and then it winds up turning into a a song, you know, or, yeah. or into a film at that yeah. point, you're like, I was just trying to catch some B roll.
0: Yeah. They're talking and it just, <laughs> yeah. how it evolves. And it was, it was very simple. And that's what, when I started, you know, I was working on like developing a show. And when I was talking to like the divine sorrow guys, which I, I know you worked with them yeah, so yeah. With, with Brian. And I was thinking like, you know, can can it work just like a talking head and these stories? And it was like, yeah, Foo Fighters back to front, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, granted, it's the Foo Fighters. Yeah, but Dave it's nice Girl. to have
1: that outline. But yeah,
0: those stories and that like uh, I wouldn't say spoken word, but those. You, you know, hearing someone, uh, you know, talk about their life and mm-hmm. this and that, and this like Nirvana and how, you know, his first album and everything else, it was re- just really cool. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah so yeah. check that out. I think, yeah, I will. I think Front, you'll back, enjoy yeah. it. And then like, I like that Pearl Jam, their 20 documentary that Cameron Crow directed. That's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I was enjoyed Pearl Jam, but then I felt a deeper connection when I watched that documentary. So it just goes to show you that those stories or podcast or when you're able to, you know have a better understanding of an artist i think you have a greater connection to to their art yeah so it's pretty cool that's awesome Yeah, good stuff what, what advice would you uh, give to a younger self so you know looking back you could talk to yourself at yeah. maybe 18 uh, or... i think
1: i would say uh, one of my things would say uh easy up motor mouth <laughs> you know there's no stop talking so much uh. uh yeah i was always i was that was my handle when i was a kid i'm on, on the cv my dad we would be driving in the truck and i, I would talk on the CB to to uh <laughs> just any any yeah. trucker that'd come by and yeah. he, they'd be like what's your handle and i'd look at my dad and he's like tell him motor mouth <laughs> and i was like motor mouth yeah. and they just laugh but that was and then even with working with greg Trampy at music masters that's that was an advice that he had given me he's like you yeah, don't need to comment so much you know uh but i feel like it it works in spades sometimes yeah. for me nowadays uh I mean, I don't know, I always felt like I had the grind. It was good. Um, uh, Staying persistent is another thing, you Mm -hmm. know? I think it's just all the same advice I would probably give any youngster that's starting off, which is, you know, just stick to it. If it's something you really, really enjoy, you need to stay up late Mm -hmm. and and just woodshed it, you know? If you wanna learn bass, you can watch all those videos that you wanna watch, but it's ultimately up to you to stay up late Uh and just explore that, you know? That's great advice. Yeah. And I would say uh, always and and be a yes man. Say yes. Mm -hmm. Don't make it, you know, I mean, obviously there are some things you got to say no to. Sure. But, but, you know, when an opportunity comes up, just say yes. I mean, say yes, do it. You know, it's not going to be, you're not above it and it's not beneath you to do it. You know, if, if you're, if you think you're the engineer and someone says, I could really use some coffee, get up and make some fucking coffee. (laughs) You're only going to make the room better. Yeah. You know, and you'll look like a great guy because of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to put you out for three minutes. Yeah. You get your ego out of the way. Yeah. You know, but yeah, say Especially yes. Especially if you've got a good roaster, you know, you got
0: some... Oh, uh, man, good, I don't <laughs> have a good
1: roaster. I just have this great little uh, bun <laughs> burner that's here that's always yeah. got hot water ready. It brews it yeah. really quick, and it always tastes different to me. Yeah. It's so good. You're
0: having it. the right coffee. They're like, where the fuck did you get this coffee There's bro? this
1: great story of a, a, a dude, uh, 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 Jacob Skiva, works at uh, Arlen Studios down in Austin, and he tells a story about the first day he was going to work with Willie Nelson, And they're like, hey, did you get a pot of coffee on? He's like, I got a fucking great pot of coffee on for Willie. You don't worry. He's going to love this coffee. (laughs) And Willie's wife comes in and she looks at that coffee and she's like, who made that coffee? And he's like, ma'am, I made that coffee. This this is my coffee. And (laughs) she's like, you can't feed that to Willie. She's like, he'll have the shakes all day. He's like, oh, shit. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, you got to know your client, you (laughs) know? It's just oh, a great story about got a,
0: yeah some cannabis guys like coffee for yeah
1: it's I mean, probably super super light and watered yeah, down you know yeah. he doesn't need the shakes when he's yeah, playing f- too f- much now. vibrato
0: that's amazing man yeah. that Willie's still oh, so he's still killing it it's and one he's of my like favorites in his 80s you know one of my he's favorites. amazing amazing
1: now are you much of a reader I don't you know I, I, I you know my wife really gets into books and she will go end to end on a book and I just can't calm my mind down enough I've it's hard enough for me to come home from a session or from work mm-hmm. uh, at midnight or one in the morning, and I, I won't get to bed until three or four sometimes. Yeah, and, it, and I'm not doing anything. You know, I I I read short stories quite a bit, and I'll get through chapters at a time of books, but I, I feel like I'm doing an injustice to mm-hmm. the book to to not stay on it. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard for me to do that. So I, I do a lot of magazine article reading and things like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. That's keeping educated. Yes. Yeah. But but yeah, to get involved in a in a front to back, uh-huh. you know, piece, that, you know, I, I just I can't. Yeah. You know, I just my mind doesn't work that sure. way. Sure.
0: Yeah, you get that toilet reading on like Facebook and I whatnot article. Your <laughs> listeners are
1: probably like, This guy's all over the place. <laughs> How could he fucking read? Uh-huh. I mean, you know, I can't it's uh-huh. so hard to stay focused for me on on something like that. there's there's the occasion understandable
0: yeah yeah yeah. i was just thinking you know i just read an article you know again we talked prior to this sammy hagar he had said after the voa tour he was just reading just all kinds of books and Mm. you know the spirituality you know aliens all this shit and then when it came time to work with eddie van halen that's where he had all these ideas and a lot of that came from what he was reading and so it's like that's interesting yeah cool and there's another thing you know it's also
1: considering his perspective was from you know starting in 1983 when there wasn't small content Mm -hmm. readily available on the internet yeah oh yeah so you had to read books you know to get any information you know nowadays it is all articles yeah i try not to ever go down the 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 internet wormhole of articles i I do we can be i try to read true paper
0: no i agree i something about paper that just it just uh, feels
1: like it's more vetted and you know absolutely didn't come out yesterday
0: yeah I, no, I, 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 agree, I agree with that to go down I that rabbit hole but yeah, yeah. absolutely it's too, um,
1: too easy to throw anything out there right now
0: yeah yeah um is there any album so, that, some,
1: something tells me that this rapid fire isn't going as rapidly nah, as that's you'd okay, like but it's fun man i'm digging <laughs> okay, it okay.
0: I, I, I like to i like to you know have a deeper understanding so i that's sweet, i threw yeah. out rapid fire because i stole that from tim ferris and right i was like okay he does okay rapid fire I feel bad and now. here's here's this so yeah <laughs> like man, favorite color yeah whatever way what is i mean throw it out there favorite color i don't really uh, have one I like orange saying. yeah I orange. like orange Yeah, my yeah, bicycle yeah. is orange all right there uh, we go. there's my rapid man. fire we got a rapid fire there um let me see let me see uh yeah i don't have these i mean everything's gone really smooth up until then i had all this prep i didn't need to use it oh, so sorry. maybe the fact go that... back in
1: time and ask me no, one no, of your no, preps no, no
0: no you answered everything that oh, was a beautiful God. thing everything that i wanted to it just happened very you know just it just it was flowing oh, it so was how fantastic this is very sweet so now say. i'm thinking of like <laughs> all right what else can we ask um da, da, da. let me see no reading there and that uh gene simmons i got this one i think i stole from like rolling stone from the uh back page where they they have these questions uh-huh. and, uh, they ask gene simmons says rock music is dead do you think it is oh wait that's a yes or no question what do you feel about that statement i should say
1: Uh, I mean rock and roll is not dead It's just seemingly Hard to discover Mm. Right so I just feel Like there's just so much out there now Mm -hmm. That the basic rock And roll that people are talking about which I feel is Sort of a guitar You know maybe two guitar Mm -hmm. band Bass drums Played loudly with uh, A a message Mm -hmm. Right it could be as simple as You know I want to go to bed Yeah or you know I want to rock and roll all night whatever but that <laughs> that's hard harder to find now because there's just so much else out there oh yeah right so no it's not dead but it is just harder you just have to search for it mm-hmm. you know and and so i think the result is most people most youngsters that are starting off don't have just a basic palette mm-hmm. of rock and roll or punk rock or new wave mm-hmm you know, it's not just Roy G Biv anymore. I mean, they're looking at the kaleidoscope of colors now and they're like, well, no, I like this little more turquoise kind of vibe. And so they, they just move in that direction. So there are some that will wantingly go and find this raw, you know, 1978 to 85 rock Mm -hmm. palette. And then they're the ones that are, are keeping it alive. Um, You know, I, that's there you yeah, go. Yeah,
0: there's a band that I I saw pops, um, after Alberta Poppy's three. They were uh, you know they were playing. Uh, Buck Cherry came into town, sure. so they were like the local opener, and uh, great show. They always kill it. And there was this band called Joyous Wolf, which was touring with Buck Cherry. And Buck Cherry, that was a band I never rock got into but That's rock and roll. They were tight. Yeah. Oh, Their yeah. Their set oh, yeah. was tight. They were just oh, I mean, it was a great show. Sure. Great show. But this band Joyous Wolf, younger band, uh out of Anaheim, and uh they kinda had that seventies, you know, maybe a little Almond Brothers vibe, a little Zeppelin vibe. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're starting to really get a lot of reviews and just Starting to make a name, mm-hmm. and it's really
1: cool. That's great.
0: Um, you know, another band we talked pre uh, you know, I was i was setting up pre show, pre show, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Hounds, sure. And I think you know, they're and I love their early, you know, they were clockwork and their early, oh, yeah. I mean, I loved it. I mean, I really connected with that, had a ton of video ideas, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they discovered like their different palette, as you stated, yes.
1: Um, that that came out, so we're, we're working on that record, yeah, it's coming out, I think shortly as this pandemic has slowed everything down exactly but they did come in originally as a three-piece and then uh during that time frame we realized that well, we could we could plug a few holes in this mm-hmm. dam you know with a little keyboard thing here and yeah, there yeah. and they were like well you know our brother actually can play bass or keyboards and so we brought him in to do some stuff and so yeah you're so
0: responsible it's, for uh bringing logan back I, in. well i
1: did a lot i wouldn't say i allowed it but yeah. I, I allowed it into the room uh no
0: it's great. I'm glad. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It
1: really does fill it out and me yeah. being a former keyboard player, yeah. I appreciate that sort of thing. Uh that's still rock and roll. I yeah. you know, and their message is still sort of rock and roll, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean it's it's not directly down that one way that one lane road mm-hmm. of rock of Gene Simmons rock and roll if Oh, that's, sure, if that's a sure. reference. But yeah, no, I'm really proud of that. record. that's I'm hoping everybody's going to get to hear that one soon too, though. It's a really good.
0: Yeah, one. yeah. And it's good to, you know, I like to maybe come full circle or we book in this, but the fact that you connected them with Ted Bruner, who's yeah. such an awesome dude and my high school buddy, yeah. songwriter, and I love the Colony songs and man, just amazing, He's amazing a great guy. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's so cool that uh, yeah that you were able to make that. You know, we're talking about these connections and and that was so great that he was able to be a part of that and and do what he has done and hopefully that's you know relationship that continues and, oh, yeah. and as they grow. I mean, what a great mentor for a young group of guys and they've been at it for about 10 years now yeah yeah so it's uh it's interesting to see how they've developed and yeah
1: and they're still really young guys too so it's amazing that they started off so young
0: absolutely so yeah it'll be i'll be uh interested to hear that and i'm glad that you have that connection and um yeah it's good stuff man it's good that they were able to inhabit this space and it's just a more stories that come out of Sawhorse Studios. No, it's great. Yeah, and I, no, love, I it. love
1: it. Yeah, I love being a host here with any any of the yeah. groups that come through. Even if I'm not an engineer on yeah. it, you know. But uh, I'm always happy to like connect people with it, even whether it's a, so- a solo artist that comes in and just needs a bunch of mm-hmm. different musicians that we're collaborating with, like Jimmy Griffin or Kevin oh, Bowers. Yeah. yeah, Jimmy's great. You know, those are like first call guys. You yeah. know, that come in and and um, they're just they're just seasoned and they they yeah. have this. Uh, I've already been through it once, mm-hmm. kind of approach. Don't worry about the small stuff. It shouldn't have to matter. You mm-hmm. know, like, it's just me that matters, you know, type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know. And I'll end on and this note. You the song.
0: It's, uh, and yeah, and nowadays we, we have the capabilities where, you know, we can do a podcast anywhere. We can, you know, I can edit video in my basement. You can record, you know, anybody can record music in their house. Sure. But I think there's, and that's all great, But I think there is something about coming to a space like this and collaborating and, and, you know, having these experts and having people that care. Sure. I think that's, you know, it's important to at least have maybe a little bit of that on on a project. Yeah, I agree. If one can make it happen.
1: I agree. I think ultimately that what whether you're doing it at home or not, Mm -hmm. what you need to remember is that, you know, you're not hopefully you're not making the record or the project or the video or whatever for yourself, you're making it for other people. So what better thing to do is to get a few heads in the game early on before it gets to the people Mm -hmm. to sort of get again, that Venn diagram of a palette of reading the room of sorts and saying, well, is it satisfying the people that, you know, I feel are my contemporaries in this room. Uh, I think that's important, you know, and something that my friends and I have always sort of joked about, which is, uh, saying, uh, I personally like kind of being the least talented person in the room and it's, or at least feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And cause I feel like I'm, I'm holding my own and if I'm Absolutely. the least talented person in the room, yeah, yeah. then the yeah, room is room. doing great, yeah, right? Hell yeah. You know, so it's, uh, you know, I try to raise everybody up to that, yeah, you know, at least. And, and so I think then if we could look around the room and we're all sort of bobbing our heads and agreeing mm-hmm. And I think we're gonna be fine, you know? It's just when you're all alone in there, you don't have a whole lot of, you can get a lot of anxiety and Mm -hmm. you can't bounce things off of people until it's already been done. In which case it's hard to sort of go back. It is very hard, you know? It's good to get that feedback in the early stages. Early, right away, right away. And that's something I love to do.
0: Yeah. Well, again, thanks. uh, You know, I can't thank you enough for the hospitality throughout the years. I mean, there's been some great memories in this space and hopefully uh, many
1: more to come. No, you're always welcome here, man. Especially I want to redo. I want to do another version of that crazy symphony night that we did. Didn't we do a, a symphony thing here? I don't know if I was a part of that but I I want to remember, be a part There were so there were so many people involved. I don't remember yeah. who was doing it. It sounds anymore. cool but that's yeah, all right. Yeah. Let's uh yeah, Let's I do I, I, like I want to be part of the next one or <laughs> we'll figure
0: out once we get once we get through, you know, the current situation with COVID. Uh yeah, it'd be cool to do some different events or whatever I can do to help, please let me know.
1: Oh, absolutely. Anything I can do to help you as well.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Awesome, Good man. stuff. Good
1: to see you, bud. Come on, you face. And shine a light on And shine a light on me Come on, you playboys You druggy mothers And shine a light on me When I said I loved you and I lied I never really loved you I was laughing at you all the time When I said I needed you, I lied I never needed anyone I laughed until I cried